0: Today on the Dad the Best I Can show.
1: Knowing you and a lot of your audience, a lot of guests you have are people who want to learn. We're like, when I was... Twenty years old when I was at the University of Michigan or in high school, whatever. Like I didn't take learning seriously, and I w- it's one of my regrets looking back. Like I wish I was more serious about learning, because in the last decade, I would say you know it's one of the more most important things in my life. So like now I know that there are are so many resources out there outside of school, podcasts, books, videos, YouTube's, whatever that I can kind of steer my kids in that direction to learn stuff that like Atomic Habits that I think is actually valuable for their life, not you know, memorizing the capital of uh, Borneo.
0: Welcome to the Dad the Best I Can show. My name is Rob Roseman, who wants to be a millionaire legend, Chicago futures trader, Vegas poker pro, now I'm a dad to three kids, ages seven, five, and two. Phew, wears me out just thinking about it. Each week we bring on high-performing dads like you. Entrepreneurs like Jesse Itzler, CEOs like David Cancel from Drift.com, athletes like Ken Rideout, best-selling children's authors like Zach Bush to tell us your stories, your dad tips and tricks to help all of us make it through dad life. We have a brand new website over at dadthebestican.com. Go on over to dadthebestican.com and sign up with your email. It's 100% free, of course. Be the first to hear brand new dad guests, and get weekly dad tips in your inbox. Okay, enough out of me. On to today's show. All right, we are live on the Dad the Best I Can show with Chris Heller. Chris is the guy to talk to if you want to take your business to the next level online, be it social media, SEO, email, content. Chris will be like your GC, your general contractor. Chris also creates content every single day on his three podcasts, on YouTube, on Instagram. But most importantly, he is a dad. How's it going today, Chris?
1: going well, Rob. Thanks for that intro. Thanks for having me back after uh, my long hiatus.
0: Yes, I don't know if you know this, but I just checked. Literally one year ago yesterday, you were the first guest on this experiment of a podcast called Dad the Best I Can.
1: Well, and then this is this is very timely. first off, congratulations. Happy anniversary on your uh, on your one year of podcast life. You're doing a, a bang up job. hows it, How does it feel to be you know your baby to be a a full year old already?
0: To be one, I think I'm gonna have to get a cake today. Uh, it's it's crazy. I committed to three. I'm gonna do three episodes, see if I want to do this. I, I had you and my friend Mark on, and it was fun. It gets addicting. and then, you know, it's the momentum. Like you always say, A, you say experiment with stuff and B, just take action every day. And I think that's a testament to this.
1: Yeah. The things that, you know, some things will be sticky and we'll uh, will hang around and those things become your habits, which we're going to talk about a little bit. And then, um, you know, that manifests into like who you are. And I think I should just be back every anniversary. I think that's kind of the new tradition that we're establishing here today.
0: At least. I'm I'm sneaking you in on these takeover Tuesdays. We just can't get enough, Chris. I I love the the dot today. I'm like, you gotta share this with with more people. So I'm a I'm a it's in my top five rotation of most listened to podcasts. So props you, to you.
1: Appreciate that. I appreciate that. Spread the word.
0: Yes. So you are a dad. How old are your kids now?
1: Uh, my oldest, Bodie, is five, uh, and my youngest, Andre or Dre, is going to be three in January.
0: All right. So you're uh, you're almost out of the woods. You've come a long way in a year. You look you look more calm and relaxed, even.
1: Yeah, I'm just putting on a front for the camera here.
0: Yes. Well, we do. I want to talk a lot of dad life stuff with you, but first. I was listening to your podcast, Uh, I think it was a dot today or a talking-ish, I can't even keep up with all your stuff, but last week you had one about habits, and I think we both read this book, uh, Atomic Habits, by James Clear recently, and I've been thinking about it a lot, and um, yeah, I I thought it was really great stuff to hear what a normal human being that's trying to do their best can do, because... I know we listen to people like Tim Ferriss and they can almost seem like cyborgs where he's, you know, his morning starts at 7.30 and by 10 he's finished his meditation. And I'm like, I can't relate to all this. So I, I like to hear from, from other people like me, other dads of, uh, that are trying to do their best. So let's talk habits. And, and first of all, why you think they're so important to you.
1: Can I, can I, can I just clarify two things? One, yes. i an extraordinary human being. a normal human being and two uh yes this this podcast that you're talking about was on um talking ish which is a more a longer form podcast where it's just kind of me talking about things that interest me uh have guests on you've been on that you know just things that that kind of i like in my world it could be sports could be hip-hop it could be you as a poker player it could be business where dot today is just five minutes or less my daily audio log so i wouldn't have enough time in a dot today to talk about the uh the litany of habits that, that, um, that I did on the talking ish podcast, but I'm ready to talk about any of them specifically. Bring it on.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I like the dots because they give you a little, a little taste and they, they get you hooked. But yeah, I was, I mean, you really went through your whole day and by the end of it, I felt like a lazy piece of shit. I'll be honest. I was like, I thought I was doing well. And that's also part of it is you have to be careful to keep improving yourself, but also not to compare yourself and beat yourself up when you're, you know, eating pizza for dinner and Chris is having fruit.
1: Yeah, it's super tough. And, you know, like, I, it, it's it sounds good in that podcast. Like, it seems like I'm do, like, I think I think I suck more than I'm good also. You know, yeah. so it's not like, oh, my God, I'm doing these 50 things every day and I'm so perfect with it and so regimented with it. It's like on a great day, I will do most of them. But like those great days can, you know, can I can have lapses for days, for weeks, sometimes for a month at a time where I'm like, I'm doing two of the 30 things that I actually want to do. So, you know, don't get discouraged that, that the podcast is more of a a way to put out there what I'm thinking about, what's, what's working for me and what works for me when I'm kind of, you know, playing at a high level.
0: Right. I like it. You're human. That, that makes it more relatable too. So let's start with, uh, let's start with today or your day with the morning. Cause I think you hear so much about morning routines and, it sounds like you got a pretty tight one that starts off i don't know when you're waking up and tell us a little bit about that tell us about your day so today
1: so today's a, a today is a, a bad example because i was out last night and the lakers tipped off the season last night i'm a laker fan so i went to bed late last night and did not have my normal or my my optimal morning routine so i'll tell you about yesterday
0: good good
1: yesterday i woke up um I use an app called Sleep Cycle, which gets me up in a half-hour time frame based on your REM cycle. Like it wakes you up in an appropriate time, so you're not kind of startled out of your sleep by the alarm. Um, and that was probably around 5:30-ish. Uh, I have my clothes laid out already. Go upstairs. Get, get dressed. Go upstairs. Meditate for 15 minutes, and then um, I'm out the door shortly after that to yoga class. Right now, my my workout routine is is like four days a week of yoga and like today was swimming i try to swim on the off days like i, I like to switch on my workouts every you know handful of months um so the morning if i don't meditate and work out either first thing in the morning or before really starting my work day coming to the office or whatever then um i usually don't get it done at all like i need to kind of get those things out of the way first thing and like that that helps me on the rest of my day Like i just feel I feel better if I did those two things first thing in the morning.
0: Yeah. Eat eat the frog. My friend told me that. I don't know if you've heard that before. He, he does it with work. He's like, I want to get the most, the hardest, most annoying thing out of the way early. So the rest of the day feels like a win. Let's, let's pause for a second on your meditation because I know this is all the rage now and it's something I've adopted and think about a lot, but I still think it's pretty, intimidating to a lot of people or they think, oh, I can't get my head, my thoughts are always racing. It's not for me. Or they try it and they give up. What does what does your meditation look like? Even the word I still don't love. It feels a little woo-woo to me, but um, it's a huge part of my life. So what is it like for you or what has it become and why is it so important to start your day with it?
1: So I recently switched off of guided meditation, like using the Calm app or Oak, one of Kevin Rose's recent apps, um, to now I'm just completely silent. Uh, um, and I think it was probably Naval Ravikant who like put me on that path. He's like, if you're if it's guided meditation, it's not actually meditation. It's like just somebody kind of coaching you through those moments. So um, I just sit up straight, put a timer on for 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending on how much time I have and uh, I don't have a mantra or anything like that. I never took like a transcendental class or course, even though it's something I would like to do in the future and um, just kind of sit there and yeah, my my <laughs> my head is is racing very my thoughts are racing very often during it, uh, you know, if it's if you get a couple moments, even of just kind of complete brain silence like that's a win. So I think people probably are too hard on themselves. Um, when they try it at the beginning it's like oh my god I can't be quiet my head is going crazy and like yeah that's just that's going to happen your brain is you know a working machine beast that uh, is super tough to tame at any given moment especially when you want to
0: yeah I like that a lot because that it's intimidating to hear and when you try you think that Oh, for 10 minutes, I'm supposed to be just zanned out, not thinking about anything. But like you said, if you get even 30 seconds of that 10, 15 minutes to be kind of calm, your eyes are closed, it's quiet, you're not on your phone. I still think there's such huge value to it. But I think the misconception is, is that if you're not, you know, floating in the clouds for 12 minutes, then you're doing it wrong, or it's not for you. But like you said, if you can get one minute out of that, that's quiet. I mean, even if you get none, you're still resting your brain compared to what you're doing the rest of the day. So I'm a oh, huge, yeah. huge advocate for it. I did the TM course, which, you know, I, I still roll my eyes at a little bit, but it did make me accountable. It did force me to sit there for 20 minutes. I actually don't do, um, consistently a morning one, but my kids are off the bus at two 30 and, I have to get one in. Like I have an alarm set that says by 1.45, you have to sit there for 20 minutes or else you know, the whirlwind of kids takes over. But this is a little recharge of the batteries for me. So I'm a huge, huge fan of that. I think Jerry Seinfeld actually said he didn't even know you're supposed to do the afternoon one. He was only doing the morning. And when he added that, he was like, oh my God, this is a big game changer. So anybody with uh, stressful afternoons or kids, I highly recommend. a midday quickie.
1: Yeah, listen. I, people who have really dove in, into this world um, swear by it. So, like, I, I'm, I, think you have to take that with with some type of you know authority and credit there. Like, I don't, I don't look at myself as a, as an expert meditator by any means. Like, I think it's important, but like, I haven't gotten to that level where I'm like it's transformed my life or I'm doing it two times a day for 20 minutes each. I think I should be there and I should get there. But again, that comes down to just you know, fitting all the things you want to do in your day.
0: All right. I want to rewind a little. You wake up. I know this is a big thing you talk about and we all struggle with this. I'm sure 90% of people have their phone. It's the first thing they go to. They're checking an email They're checking Facebook. They're checking even something fun. I think you have a you have a big stance on this. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, and this is like, I've had this for a while. Like, this isn't even one of those that just came across my, you know, uh, biohacker, life optimizer uh, community. It's just, don't look at your phone when you wake up. Pretty simple. Like, I have to, I have to shut off my alarm, obviously. And if I'm walking to uh, a workout class, I'll put a podcast on but never open email or Twitter or anything like that. Cause I just don't want these outer, I don't want the world getting into my brain before I am ready to, I want to proactively put in, like open it up for information because you can check an email and it can be some type of really annoying thing by a coworker or a client or the news, you know, just reading Twitter, like, which i need to be better at because it you know drives me into a a mental frenzy with all the crap that's going on in this world right now uh and i don't want that in my being before i'm like ready to accept it like i want meditate like i want my mind clear meditate clear it more then work on my mind and body in a yoga class or a hit class or in the pool or whatever it may be and i don't need to be thinking about what client x might be wondering about this deliverable it's due in three weeks you know like mm-hmm. it's just something that i want to just control what's going into my into my world first thing in the morning yeah
0: i like that a lot and it isn't always have to be just work or annoying stuff even if i see a late group text from my friends and it's funny and i want to respond i'm still reacting and i'm like oh i want to say this or i miss this thing so I agree. It's a huge thing. Even if you give yourself 30 minutes in the morning where it's like set an alarm that says, I can look at it in 30 minutes, your brain will, it helps the day a lot.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's a good rule for a lot of things, right? Like, and we might even talk about this in, in further, but just like scheduling stuff and like batching stuff, right? Like this, this half hour, this hour, these two hours are for this and it could be fun stuff. like. In my schedule like in my calendar like i have a couple times during the week that say like free play right like these two hours are for like whatever the fuck i want to do And that could be going out and taking a walk it can be writing rap lyrics it could be literally anything that i want to do at that time and i think that's just a, a good way to you know go about your day so you are more you know focused on the one thing that is in that block of time and looking at your phone can be it i would just suggest trying to do it you know, not wake up, roll over, and all of a sudden just get back into that world. Go make breakfast for your kids. Go for a run. Go upstairs and meditate. Like just do something before taking all these inputs.
0: Yeah, I'll say for me, it is. I try to get up. I know my kids are up early, six fifteen. Baby's crying. Well, she's two years old now, but she's crying in her crib. But I will still go downstairs myself and make my coffee make my oatmeal, open my book. And for 10 minutes with her crying upstairs, I'm still going to take that time out because if I just start even reacting to all of that chaos, like the day just, it snowballs like that. So somebody else gave me that advice. Actually, they said your kid will not cry themselves to death. And my, my instinct was to go rush and get her out of there. But for all I know, she's been doing that since 5 15 AM and she'll be fine. So it, it's been a nice game changer. You do have to be in more intentional, I think, than ever. A, if you have kids, and B, with the combination of the potency of the technology to t- today, I think it's more important than ever. And I don't think we were really even raised. It's it's like these things are all new new things that we have to learn.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like part of the reason that I want to get up early is to beat my kids up, not, not to beat them yeah, up. it's <laughs> important. To, to <laughs> rise before them because i don't react well when it's them waking me up at 602 and i'm like pissed about life that i have to get up right now because they won't sleep longer you know like so i don't want to wake up angry and like i i I often don't like the mood i'm in to start my day when it's one of my boys waking me up at you know 552
0: yeah Good, good advice. I, I just learned it and it's been really helpful. So, and again, not perfect with it. I hit the snooze today. I tried your sleep cycle app, which I'm still trying to figure out how the hell it knows wh- what I'm doing in there. I'm sure it's tracking my brain, but uh, another fun experiment.
1: Your brain. I don't know, but it's tracking your, uh, your rhythm.
0: All right. I'll take your word for it. Even if it's a placebo, these things are, these things could be helpful. Um, talk a little more health sauna I know you're a big fan of sauna and cold hot cold you want to do a couple minutes tell us about why that's so important to your day
1: yeah but I mean without going into like the the science on on each of them because I'm only you know a mini expert on those things um, the the basic is basics are like I just think putting your body in in the extremes is always a good thing because your body can respond and conquer and then flourish any of these rough situations that you put yourself in. Um, For sauna, if you want, uh, I'll point people in the right direction if they want to learn more rather than going too deep into it. Uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick is the, I don't know about foremost, but like somebody who's super, you know, I found her through the Tim Ferriss, Kevin Roses of the world. Like she seems to be the go-to for why sauna and just hot therapy are so uh, beneficial. So I try,
0: now I'm doing high
1: yoga so that kind of takes up some of my sauna time but if I'm like today for example I I did sauna and pool and I like in the the sauna reading a book for 20 minutes and then go swimming Um, and on the other end on the cold side of things I would refer everyone to the Iceman Wim Hof Uh, I did the Wim Hof method an online course last year or this year actually beginning of this year January February something like that and that is based on breathing and cold therapy. He is just a, you know, talk about cyborg. Uh, He's like unbelievable human being, climbed Mount Everest in in shorts, ran a marathon uh, with no water in the desert. Like just, he believes that you can control your nervous system through your breath and the breath is more powerful than anything. And you can basically fight off disease and and everything. And he does it basically through breath and through cold therapy. He swims in you know frozen lakes, and uh, his class is about cold showers and ice baths. You like work your way up, and since that since that course, I think every shower I've taken since then has included, if not been fully, a freezing cold shower. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I've heard a lot of you know Jack Dorsey recently uh, did like a podcast tour where he's saying he only takes cold showers and like just. The idea of walking from status into a freezing cold shower just makes him feel like he can then just do anything. And like the short short term, you walk out of the shower and just feel a rush of adrenaline and just feel like ready to like just kill it. But long term, it's like, it's good for fat loss. It's good for fighting depression. It's it's just, it has unbelievable benefits. Again, check out Wim Hof's website if you want want to really uh, go deep, but I try to do one of, if
0: not both of those things uh, every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been, I'm not as hardcore as you and I have read a lot about it and tried it. And that's the other thing I think and goes to what you say about experimenting with stuff. You don't have to take a 10 minute cold shower. You could still get some benefit from the last 20 seconds being cold because you're getting that mental benefit of I'm doing something a little uncomfortable and I'm surviving. I think that's a big thing is your body and your mind will handle more than you think. But I think that's a big thing with these habits is they don't have to be all or none and super intense. You know, a lot of people watch a Wim Hof video and be like, I cannot be like that guy, but you could still turn your shower from hot to cold for 10 seconds and feel like you accomplished something. So I think that's a a good piece of advice for, you know, especially dads like us, you know, when you're 25, maybe you are going a little more hardcore, but I think there's a lot of opportunities where you can do unconventional, uncomfortable things and, and get real benefit from it.
1: Yeah. I mean, specifically with that, like e- even, even the 10 week course starts like that, you know, it's to take, take a normal hot shower and then for the last 30 seconds go cold. And then week two, it's like, do 30 seconds cold, take as hot shower for only as long as you want, and then end with another 30 seconds cold. And you just keep building up. And there's actually what he did recently, there's like a 20-day shower challenge where you know it's like it's like for first week, 15 seconds and 30 seconds, and you work your way up to a minute. So, like you said, you know, baby steps, you can you can get there. And then just want to be, you know, be clear, it's probably gonna suck the first week or two. It's 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 rough, but your body adapts and you get used to it to the point like I can pretty much get into any freezing cold situation like sure my body reacts but then in not too much time i kind of work my way through it and i'm fine
0: yeah that's another part that people don't really talk about enough is that it sucks meditation is boring getting in the cold shower sucks you don't you're not immune to this because you've done it but that's kind of the point point. and after it's over you're fine you know i even say this with like i'll take the kids to florida in the minivan and it's a i mean it says seven hours on google maps but it's 10 hours and everybody's like how could you do that and i'll be like it sucks you know like but after a night of sleep you forget about it so it's almost just like you need to do things and something should suck but short memory is a uh i'd like to say a a, a feature not a bug
1: yeah, one of the podcasts I just did this week and dot today was about ignoring sunk costs, right? Like everything that's happened already, ignore, it's done. Mm-hmm. Like you just got to, what's, what's, what's going to help me next? What's best for the future? So uh, yeah, some things suck or you can, you know, take that other. Everything positive outlook and say, well, that was that was time that was ten hours spent with your tight knit family group and that doesn't happen that often. And yeah. so your kids will be old where they won't want to hang out with you and you're gonna miss those times. So you know,
0: that's well, bullshit. People, but- I think that that people try to spin on you that oh, these are the best times ever. I'm like, no, you'd never said that back then. This time actually sucks, but that's that's also okay. You will live.
1: Yes. The cold showers kind of suck at the beginning. And even now, sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this, but especially now that it's starting to get cooler out, you know, and like the last week or so I'm in New York, if uh, we didn't mention that. So it's starting to get cooler. And, you know, I've been starting my showers, showers warm more, more frequently I've noticed. Cause like just coming in from the gym at 6:30 in the morning, I'm like, I feel a little cold. I want some like heat on my, on me first. And then I'll end with, you know, I don't time it at this point anymore. Just uh cold for a little while.
0: Right. So one thing we, so you read this book, Atomic Habits, which I do highly recommend. And I think even mentioned if our kids read this before they are 20 years old, what an advantage it's going to give them to just like, I didn't know any of this stuff and I'm 42. I'm just learning that you're supposed to write stuff down and plan and check boxes, all these little tricks that, you know, will be such a great advantage for our kids, don't you think?
1: Well, you know, that, that, that'll that take us down the uh, the education system path, which uh, can be a whole 10-part podcast series because I, you know, think it's – and I don't even know it yet because my kids are still super young, but I assume I'm going to have many issues with it in the next 15 years if it doesn't change drastically. And then I think it just comes back to, to us as, as parents um, to not – have our kids be educated about what's on the test, but rather learn stuff, right? And like, we, especially people in the like, you know, you and, knowing you and a lot of your audience, a lot of guests you have are people who want to learn. Where like, when I was 20 years old, when I was at the University of Michigan or in high school, whatever, like I didn't take learning seriously. And I it's one of my regrets looking back. Like I wish I was more serious about learning Because in the last decade, I would say, you know, it's one of the most important things in my life. So, like, now I know that there are are so many resources out there outside of school, podcasts, books, videos, YouTubes, whatever, that I can kind of steer my kids in that direction to learn stuff that, like Atomic Habits, that I think is actually valuable for their life, not, you know, memorizing the capital of uh, Borneo.
0: Yes. I don't know what that is, but... Uh,
1: (laughs) that's not a bad thing to know but just saying
0: well I think you say 10 years I look back at that too and I've had this same kind of late mid-30s discovery of learning and interest and I think a lot of it correlates to podcasts because I didn't really read books until I listened to somebody talk about it on a podcast that was really interesting so podcasts are I mean the biggest game changer I think you know I can think of in my life because you're it's just putting making you aware of things that you didn't know about when you were 20 years old and I think our kids will have that ability if we can steer them in the right direction to you know there's a lot of college kids I have a cousin that's never listened to one and I'm like you could listen to Joe Rogan for an hour you'll have just as much fun and you'll learn something so I think it is going to be a great resource for uh, ourselves and our kids
1: It's, it's a it's a mobile classroom Essentially, if you if you want to learn about any topic in the world, you can put on your headphones and find something Intelligent about that topic
0: and it'll be fun not like reading it out of a boring book
1: right? Or like having to study x y and z chapters because there's going to be an exam in two days and then forgetting about it the next week
0: right real quick to close the loop on the uh, atomic habits one thing that I didn't do that I learned from the book um tracking these things with either like a checklist. I don't know what you use, but I found that to be really important. Otherwise, my brain just gets flooded and then all of a sudden it's been, you know, a few days and I'm I'm off the wagon hard and eating ice cream and pizza and waking up with my phone. So do you do stuff like that? Uh, I did
1: for a while. I, have, I had an app or I still have it. I was checking my phone to see what it is. It's called the way of life um, that I used for a while and i haven't used it in a while but what it is like you 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 enter in any habits that you want to do on a however many like i would have a list of you know let's say 10 things and then at the end of, end of each day i would get a reminder at like 9:30 at night check way you know way of life and i would go to the app and i would it's very simple like either green or red like did you do this today green did you do this today green did you do this today red and then you can look back at your last week or your last month and see you know, a chart of what you're doing every day, what you're not doing every day, what you need to focus on more and kind of, it's a way to kind of check yourself. And it can be things like, go to the gym, like I had in there, just, you know, play with my kids or kiss my wife or whatever it may be. It can be super simple things. You just want to make sure you do every day or these, you know, grand things like, uh, write my novel.
0: Yeah. I think it's been very important because I didn't do that ever. I had a very, between my poker playing career, trading. I just had a very unstructured schedule in life. And now with all the kids, sometimes at the end of the day, I don't know if you ever feel like this, like there's always just chaos kind of happening and you'll feel like, what did I even do today? And having some kind of either app on your phone or I've gone to the pen and paper because I'm inundated with too many apps and that's a whole other problem I have with the phone. But just looking back as to, oh, I did make breakfast for the kids i did have a smoothie today i did you know a couple other things and you do feel like your day was more productive than falling asleep you know at the end of the day you're just done your brain is fried anyways so gives you a little bit of positive reinforcement to keep it keep the momentum going
1: yeah i mean that goes back um also well tracking anything right it puts it in perspective of like all right i had a pretty decent day or I don't know if you use uh like to do lists for example, like that's a way to like physically see like the feeling of crossing off something that you did that day you know it gives you a sense of 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 accomplishment and that's why people are very big on you know make your bed in the morning because if you have a shitty day you come home and you at least know there's some you did something there and there's some um order in your in your household luckily I'm married to a psychotic bed maker so i don't have to worry about that it gets made every day nice (laughs) without me
0: what um we're big we're big jesse itzler fans along these lines he has a big motto where he says put it on the calendar and he's really very intense about this i think you've adopted this why is it so important or what are some examples that you you've put stuff on the calendar
1: Uh, I think it's super important, because I think the anticipation and the excitement for things is very often just as good as the thing, if not more so. Um, So I think having things to look forward to always is great. And it could be something as simple as, you know, going out to dinner with with a friend that you haven't seen in a while, or going to see a comedy show, which I believe you're going to uh, see our friend this week not to be cryptic, but Sam Marill is a, is a great young, young comedian. Yes.
0: Was. We're fired up. We're going on Friday to see him at the uh, punchline in Atlanta. Can't wait. And that was based on a recommendation through your podcast, I think.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, I actually, I'm, I just got tickets to see him. He's like taping a new show uh, December 2nd uh, at the Comedy Cellar in, in Manhattan. So like, that's a silly thing. Like it's not, it's, I didn't like, Strategize like oh, I need something on my calendar. Let me see if there are any comedy shows But like now in the back of my head, I like have this Every time I see him post something on on Instagram a funny joke. I'm like nice December 2nd. I'm gonna see him live. Um
0: well, let me let me pause right there and interject I had a uh, Loretta Bruning on the podcast talking about brain chemistry and what I've learned about dopamine and serotonin and all these things the whole idea of anticipation is actually chemicals in your brain. It's almost, the trip is almost always better looking forward to it than it actually is. So if you can put some of these things on the calendar and generate this dopamine that, you know, you know, on Friday, I've got this concert Mondays here and it's tough putting those things on the calendar. You're actually giving yourself a drug in some ways. So it is a great, great tool to use.
1: I, I, I totally buy it. Um, obviously, vacations are a big one, especially if you like travel. You know, you can always say, "All right, next year I want to take three trips. One's going to be with my family, one's going to be with my wife, and one's going to be with my friends." You kind of like plan out your your twenty twenty there. Athletic achievements are one. If you ask me for an example, uh, this past year, I, I signed up for a triathlon um, in June, and it's not something that I've ever done before. I actually remember saying something to the effect of, "Like, I I, I don't own a bike. I hate running." And I'm a mediocre swimmer. So I'm going to sign up for a triathlon. And I just did, <laughs> you know, the beginning, the beginning of the year signed up for June. And then I knew that like, those 12 weeks prior, my, my training regimen was already built in for me. And like, I was already attached to that date and that event. Like I was going to show up and do it. So like, I had to prepare for it. And that put me in decent shape in my second quarter of the year. And it just kind of was this thing that was like this big accomplishment. And now it's on my to go back to Jesse Itzler, it's on my, uh, my life resume.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to run a hundred mile race like he somehow does. You know, talking about cyborgs, the guy's 51 with four kids under 10, he's running 100 miles. And that can feel like, Meh, what's the point? I could never do that. He would say you can, but I would say then go run one mile. You know, all these things are beneficial.
1: That's how he started initially he wasn't a runner either he's like i'm gonna go run one mile you know and then that turned into two and then sure enough you know like i hate running too and when i watch him do that i'm like that's something i ever want to get into and i don't because i just think running is bad for your body actually and <laughs> running 100 miles i think is fucking terrible for your body <laughs> um, but the idea of these bigger than life physical uh, challenges, I think we're all more capable than we think we are.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that we're coming into this idea at 42 years old with kids. I think it's just life changes a lot as you get older. You don't have maybe the time or maybe you value your time differently. So I think all these things are more important than ever and no time like the present to start just because you have never lived like this. you know. And I'm telling myself this with physical training, these kind of things also. So start today. I think that's the point.
1: Interestingly on that, I I read recently that like the largest demographic in the triathlete world, marathon world is 40 to 50 year olds. So maybe just get to that point where it's like, all right, my kids are, I mean, I, I, you know, had kids on the later side, I guess, like, where my kids are not old enough to like do their own thing just yet. But I think people probably get to that point where it's like, all right, I'm at that like halfway point. I want to start thinking about mortality, longevity, however you want to, you know, spin it. Um, and maybe I should start doing some more challenging things for myself, which is great. You know, that's where everyone should be.
0: Yeah. The new midlife crisis is, uh, I wish I was
1: there 20 years
0: ago. Yeah. But then you wouldn't be where you are today or some mumbo jumbo shit like that. Who needs to buy a Porsche? You could just go run a triathlon. That's the new midlife crisis.
1: Yes, it's true.
0: All right, Chris, you know what this sound means? (laughs)
1: Sounds like uh, Funkmaster Flex is about to drop a new biggie joint. Back in '95, that's what it sounds like.
0: It's also time for rapid fire questions. Are you ready, Chris?
1: Should I stretch first? I'm, I think I'm ready though. Let's go.
0: What was your first car?
1: So when I first got my license, I think like it was like my mom's car it was like a Mazda MX-6, red. But when I first got my my own, my first solo car was a. Mitsubishi
0: 3000
1: GT. Black. Oh, oh my I, God. When I was a senior in high school and it was really badass.
0: That was my dream car, the 3000 GT. Look at you.
1: It was badass, dude.
0: Not even a Dodge Stealth. That's the knockoff. You got the 3000 GT. Good for you.
1: Yes. The Stealth, yeah, it looked exactly like it, actually.
0: Yes. What was your first job?
1: Uh, I'll tell you when I get one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What is your favorite meal to eat for dinner?
1: Um, I really like food. So, uh some type of meat on a bone, I would say is probably the direction I would go, a nice steak or a really good fried chicken or wings. I like meat on a bone. Like last night I had a fantastic sushi dinner, so I can go that direction, you know. I like food.
0: And you're a faster and you're a fruit eater, but you still have you still make room for this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, listen. If I'm going out for a meal or gonna have a real dinner or whatever, then uh, I'm gonna eat it. But like, even you know, some of the the restrictive diets that I do, like this month, actually, I'm on, on the Whole Thirty diet, which is like Paleo plus kind of thing. And like, I cooked myself a fantastic ribeye the last two weekends, and you know, you can still uh, I can have sashimi, so I can still indulge even when I'm being quote unquote good.
0: All right, we got off track there. Back to the questions. Favorite movie, the category is drama.
1: Pulp Fiction is my my favorite movie of all time.
0: Favorite comedy movie?
1: Does Eddie Murphy Raw count?
0: We'll take it. And along those lines, favorite stand-up comedian?
1: Uh, It's Eddie by a long mile. I'm an Eddie guy, and I would say then a Gap and then George Carlin and then a Gap and everyone else.
0: What is your big podcast creator and listener? Today, what is your favorite podcast to listen to?
1: So, right now, unfortunately, I'm very football focused because I'm a big fantasy football player, so I listen to a lot of football content. Um and I don't want to say the 10 guys that we spoke about already. So, I'll give you a, a new one that I'm interested in. It's called 1619. It's done by the New York Times. It's um Basically, it's about this was four hundred years essentially uh, twenty you know sixteen nineteen twenty nineteen uh, of slavery, and it's basically the story of how slavery got started and the evolution of of our country and and how it relates to slavery. And it's uh, really well produced and really well well done. I'm still not finished with it, but high high recommendation.
0: Yeah, something you would have never read about when you were eighteen, but at forty two, you're you're happy to listen to. Absolutely. All right, let's talk a little music. If you were a Major League Baseball player, what would your walkout song be?
1: Simon Says by Pharoah Monch. Uh, for those of you, you guys might not know what that is, but you'll know when I say the hook. Get the fuck up. dan You know that one?
0: <laughs> now, I, now I do. I'll play it later. What is the best live concert you've ever seen?
1: <sighs> Jeez. Uh... Fortunately, I've been to many incredible ones. Um, one that sticks out to me always is KRS One at uh, a little place in the West Village called SOBs. And I like intimate concerts more than these. You know, I've seen Up in Smoke tour and Jay Z and all these huge artists in these you know twenty thousand arena, twenty thousand seat arenas. And I greatly prefer. You know, I've seen Jay-Z at Hammerstein Ballroom, which is like 1,500 people versus Madison Square Garden, and I love the smaller venue more. But KRS-One at SOB is, I think I was, I was in my 20s, and it was like it's like 300 people. It's so intimate, and he is like a larger-than-life figure, and he's like the definition of an MC on a stage, like to rock a crowd. Uh, that one just always stands out to me as like this, this special moment where I was like, holy shit, what's going on here?
0: Who is your favorite rap artist today? Method Man. And we asked Jesse Itzler the same question sent in by you. I got to ask you if you could have a guest verse on a rap song, what would it be?
1: I assume you mean what song not actually drop the, drop the verse right now off the top of my head.
0: You you can do both, please. (laughs) I'm
1: not going to do the latter. Uh, it would have to be one of the Wu Tang anthems either. Um, Either protect your neck or triumph. Because I'm a uh I'm a Wu Tang guy. I have a Wu Tang tattoo.
0: All right. Great answers, Chris. You you nailed the rapid fire questions as expected. I know you're waiting one year to get your opportunity, so That's right. The,
1: my first time around, we did not the, the rapid fire section did not exist. How we how we've grown.
0: Now that you're past forty too, you can't even be on your uh past the forty podcast, right? <laughs>
1: You never know. I can bend the rules.
0: All right. Let's talk a little dad life. Yeah. Uh, we were talking the other day. You were telling me you hear moms all the time saying, oh, he's such a good dad. And you were, you had some thoughts on that. Talk a little bit about that.
1: I, I my my thoughts are, I, I hear it often. Um, and I think it's just, most of the time, it's just words. And to the point where, you know, I, I've started when I do hear it, I start asking, why like what? What are those qualities that you say make him a great dad? And you know, usually I don't get because I'm like, hey, I want to be, a, I want to be a great dad. I want to be a better dad. Okay, maybe I can learn some insights here? And usually, um, you know, they're general, kind of bullshit. Which then led me to just the the thinking of the job description for dads are you know vary greatly right? Like there are some who are stay at home dads and spend every morning and get them from school and do that whole thing. And there are some people who, you know, are out the door to work before their kids even wake up and are home after the kids eat dinner. And like, maybe they get home to put them in bed and maybe they see them on the weekends and not during the week at all. Like there's a huge spectrum of dad life. So what's how do you compare? You know what one dad is doing versus another, and like this dad that only sees him on the weekends. On the weekends, if he's fucking awesome, cool, but is that a great dad versus the one who's like literally there doing stay-at-home, doing everything, making breakfast, taking them to school, picking them up from school? You know, I don't, I don't know the answer. I just don't think everyone, not all dads, are playing on the same same playing field.
0: Yeah, definitely agree, and it falls back into the which uh, I talk a good game with, but try not to compare yourself to other people. Uh, The grass is always greener. I'm sure we're both envious of some of our other friends and their situations, and I'm sure they're quite envious of our situations that do have more flexibility. So uh, I don't know the answer either, but I do think, you know, and there's a little bit of irony in the name of this podcast, Dad, the best I can, with the do the best you can, which I think we can all agree as much as we like to say we do the best we can where there's always times when I'm on my phone, when I could be playing with my kids and stuff, but uh, it is just a good mindset to do what works for you. Try not to beat yourself up too much, go to sleep and start over because just being there around your kids, I think is the, is the stuff that they're going to remember. So I, I try to convince myself of that even after the tough days.
1: Yeah. I think, I think, listen, I don't think anyone does actually the best they can. I think, I think one of the toughest things that we all have to deal with, not just as as dads, but as humans is like knowing and doing, right. I think we all know what the best right thing to do is. And then actually doing, doing it at that level like we know going to the gym and eating eating the right food is good for you but guess what sometimes I want fucking ice cream like we know that's not the right thing to do for our bodies and for our longevity and same thing with parenting same thing with your relationships with your significant others and your friends and whatever it's just like you know sometimes uh are not going to be perfect and I think like you said we got to kind of be a little easier on ourselves
0: Yeah, that was the last guest we had near Al was that was his dad tip is be kind to yourself. And I needed I think we all need to hear it probably every day because we are all high achievers and and want the best. And then we are our own worst critics. So, you know, I need to hear it. And I'm going to probably need to hear it again later today when my kids are melting down and I'm ready to lose it. I want it. There's a uh, trunk or treat some pre Halloween party that's happening tonight they have Halloween's like two weeks long here and I have, it'd be fun to take the three kids. My wife's out of town for work, but I know at like 7 PM when they're sugared up on candy, I'm going to be just looking around like, what the fuck have I done? Of course this is going to happen. So I'm already like, should I take them to this thing? Like it sounds fun, but I think I might reconsider. I actually didn't tell them it was happening tonight for this reason that I might just, pull the no card but but yeah do the best you can and just roll with it
1: well listen pre-worrying is a terrible thing to do right like worrying before there's a reason to to worry that's uh don't do that because then you're just you're putting yourself in that space before you're even there
0: this is just being pragmatic though it always uh, these some of these things sound fun but i know the reality of bringing three kids on a school night to a place where they can just get a lot of candy is probably going to make my head spin so we'll we'll consider it it still might happen but yeah um you were a huge child athlete in your day i know you were uh the greatest child athlete that i ever knew brad Cada. he was a uh camp rival of yours what are your thoughts well you can talk a little bit about your your sports prowess as a kid and now that your kids are getting a little older what are your thoughts on your kids in sports, and how intense it's getting now with specialization and things like that? Uh, talk a little bit about that.
1: Uh, well, my you know my childhood it was like literally it was short lived. It was probably from the ages of like nine to fourteen, fifteen, where I uh, really excelled before everybody caught up to me physically. Um, with my kids, you know, it's it's they're still young. So I'm not, I haven't, I haven't made any big decision. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to navigate it now that my son turned five in June. Like, cause I see kids, his age, not starting to like, I'm not around them enough to see them excelling at anything, but I'm always, I always have an eye out for, Oh, that kid's carrying around a basketball or that kid went to soccer. That kid has soccer class or whatever it is. And you know, I'm trying to be a not, not an over scheduler, uh, you know, I read a book, mindful parenting last year and just like overscheduling our kids is not ideal and you want them to have free time to create stuff. Anyway, though, I was heading into this fall in my head. I was like, Oh, Bodie's going to do soccer. Right. And also my younger kid, I'm like, let me throw him in soccer too. Cause he seems just like a little more naturally drawn to athletics. Um, and then you know, something was just hesitant with my older child. And I like one day I was just like, Bodhi, do you want to do, do you want to take soccer, soccer classes? And last year he like did like a, you know, six week course of like some bullshit soccer stuff. And I wanted to get him into like a place that would really expose him to the game and see how he responds. I said, Bodhi, do you want to do soccer? And he said, no. I said, okay. And I kind of like left it at that. In the back of my head though, like I still, you know, I expose him to sports. I'm like, let's have a catch let's kick a soccer ball. Uh, he's mildly interested sometimes, but you know, I plan to have him take a couple of basketball clinics over the, over the winter on the weekend and just see how he responds to it. Um, you know, I just want to, I have to keep reminding myself to not make it about me to make it about them because like I'm drawn to like this, idea of oh of course I've loved sports. Sports is such a big part of my life. Of course my sons are going to play sports and excel at sports, but like that's way more about me and not about them. And it should be about them. Like whatever makes whatever whatever makes them happy to excel at, I should be cool with that. Um I I want to expose them to as many things as possible. And I think sports has a ton of value just for growth in terms of you know teamwork and listening to your coach and discipline and health. Um, So I want both of them involved, but I want to try to not push anything too hard.
0: Yeah. Just wait until uh, one of your kids catches the eye of a coach and he's got some skills. And then all of a sudden they're recruiting him to play on the traveling teams. What are your thoughts on this whole ultra specialization travel teams at such a young age? I mean, we've kind of played everything. First of all, we started later. I'm coaching kids, basketball, five-year-olds. I'm pretty sure I didn't play basketball until eight or nine, but they're starting earlier and they really are trying to pull kids into intense sports. Do you have any thoughts on that versus trying everything and really just having fun with it and seeing what works?
1: Yeah. I mean, I haven't experienced it firsthand yet, but in theory, I think it sucks. Um, I, I, I would, I remember the way I did it was, you know, I played soccer in this season, basketball in this season, baseball in this season. And like, maybe I was on earlier, I was on soccer travel teams like that might've gone double seasons or whatever. But it seems like now, if you want to really pursue one sport, you have to just like dive into that sport and not do the other things. And I think that kind of limits you athletically, not, not enhances you. Like, I think the footwork you learn at soccer can be helpful on the basketball court and the passing you do in basketball and the angles and the lanes can help you um, if you want to do lacrosse. Like, like it's, all, it's all tied in. I think you should be tasting as many things as possible, especially, especially since 02 percent of these people are actually going to move on and take it past high school
0: right yeah we have to remember remind ourselves of the incentives of of all these programs and everything they all cost money they're all have different incentives than we necessarily have of getting our kids involved in different stuff let's take a quick break for our dad tip of the week brought to you by kickstart reading Do you have kids between the ages of three and six? I've got two boys, and when my older son was going into kindergarten, my wife and I quickly learned that we had no idea how to teach him how to read. We found Kickstart Reading and watched one two-minute video together, and you could see his confidence take off. Bonus, I felt like Dad of the Year. Here's another dad talking about how Kickstart Reading is helping his boys learn how to read.
1: Hey there, this is Chris Heller and I'm a big fan of kickstart reading. Each morning before school, I show a video to my four and a half year old son and now his little two-year-old brother is getting in on the action as well. I'm a big fan of the videos. Highly consumable and engaging for young boys. Definite recommend for all parents out there who are looking to get their kids off to the right start with reading. Kickstart reading.
0: Go to kickstartreading.com and use the code DAD to get 65% off right now. That's D-A-D, DAD. See, it works. kickstartreading.com. Now back to the show. So Chris, before we let you go, can you give us one DAD tip for other dads out there?
1: So my DAD tip that I've chosen for today is show them the world and... Obviously, I think we know that on a macro level, but I I take it more micro in the respect of a a map. I have where my kids hang out, like outside of their bedrooms, they have like, you know, there's like a downstairs hangout area. I bought a big world map that hangs over the couch. And the idea being, I I want travel to be a part of their lives. And as a family, I want travel to be a part of our lives. And I want them to start learning about the world and seeing the The scope of the world so part of our bedtime routine and now my my two-year-old is is doing it too with with me and Bodhi we go and stand in front of this map and like my my five-year-old right now can tell you where 50 places are like if you said to him Bodhi show me Congo he'll point right to it Kenya Greenland Russia Thailand, Japan, it's sick. <laughs> and now my like my younger kid, he's starting to do it. He's only got like Australia and Chile down, but like it, A, just exposes them to the world. And I, you know when we see, now like we'll be reading a book and they'll mention, last night actually happened, something said something about Cuba. And I'm like, oh, Cuba, that's right there, right? Or when we talk about, this is Fiji, I'm like, Bodhi, do you know how long it takes to get from here to there? He just like understand, starts to understand understand the the scope of what's out there and how many different things are out there and he's always like oh i want to go here and i'm like oh our you know you know mommy's friend so-and-so she grew up here you know like her family's from this place it's just a great way for them to kind of start to understand all the different the diversity that's out there and the different places you can go and the different things you can see like you know, Alexis and I went to um, Kenya last year, and they obviously saw all the, the pictures of all the animals and whatnot, and now that is like something like, oh, they love the animals, they want to go to Kenya, and they want to go to Africa. Just, uh, you know, I don't know that everyone, everyone probably doesn't have space for a world map hanging on their wall, but it can be a globe, it can be just a piece of paper or whatever. Just, I think having kids look at the world physically is a great way to like show them the world before they're able to go and actually go to places and see it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. at Dollar store. We picked up a world map that is taped to our kids and we don't really use it, but I'm going to, tonight we'll start playing a game with it. And as a kid, I loved maps and I think anything off the screen is almost more of a novelty now. So I'm always looking for trying different things out that don't involve the TV or iPad and maps are definitely a fun one. So we're going to use that one. Good tip, Chris.
1: It's good for, for us, too. Like, you know, a year before I started doing this, I couldn't tell you where uh, Kazakhstan was. And now every night I'm, sti- I'm, I'm staring at the world, too. And I'm like, oh, I see how that might have worked here. You know, like, it just makes... It, I'm, learn- I'm learning through it as well, a lot.
0: Along those lines, let me run this idea by you that I had last night. Encyclopedias, they were always really fun when I was a kid. I don't even know if they exist anymore. I was like... I think a set of encyclopedias would be really fun for my kids. Do they even make them? What do you think of that?
1: I'm sure somebody makes them. Um, I don't have them in my house. And my kids are probably still a little too young to right. pick those books over something else. Yeah.
0: Well, my kids will look up like P to find dirty words and stuff like that. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm not there yet.
0: All right. Chris, always a pleasure. Let everybody know where they can find more Chris Heller. Uh,
1: The place that's an outlet to everything else is probably my website, chrisheller.me. But if you want to just reach out and say hello, chris at chrisheller.me on email or uh, chrisheller.me on Instagram. I'm always uh, trying to post some fun stuff there.
0: Yeah, really good. Recapping so much we learned today, all these habits. I'm going to go... Try at least a couple of them today. You got me flossing. You got me putting a standing desk in, which I'm already sore from. But like you say, experiment with stuff. You know, this is the time to do it. Yeah,
1: always be trying shit. That's it.
0: All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me, Rob. Thank you guys for listening to the Dad the Best I Can show. Go take five seconds. Hop on over to dadthebestican.com and sign up with your email to get weekly updates. Dad tips in your mailbox. Get your questions answered on the show. That's dadthebestican.com. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a five star rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Actually, five stars, we could do better than that. Brooks? Infinity. Infinity stars. Cameron? How many stars? Infinity thousand. Infinity thousand. You got to one up them in this household. Thanks. See you.